I want to bring to the platform the ministry gift that God has blessed us to be able to enjoy today. Before I do, his beautiful wife is here with us, Gina. She's not going to sing. I wish she would. She's an incredible gift, but we're so honored that she's here. And Tony Suarez, come preach to us the word of Almighty God. Amen. Glad you're here today. Thank you, Bishop. God bless you. And God bless every one of you. You can be seated for a moment. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. My wife said, why don't you say something nice this time? Because I'm kidding. She didn't know yet. She didn't. Because I guess, I, I, you know, when we got married, you know, I'm an evangelist. I travel. She didn't know when we got married that we were going to actually have to live together in the same house until this COVID business started. And now we see each other every day. And I, you know, I like to wake up early, drink my coffee early in the morning uh, because everybody's asleep. You know, we got five kids at the house and sometimes I feel like 52 kids in the house. And so I wake up early and have my coffee alone. And every morning Gina walks in the, the kitchen and I'm just waving, hi, how are you? Hello, friend. How are you? Your roommate's still here. <laughs> but I'm glad she's with me. I'm glad we got away from those 52 kids to have a little break. Amen. God bless you. It's so good to be back in Inspire Church and to be with Bishop and the First Lady and Pastors Andrew and Pastor Stephen and everyone else that's here. Thank you for having in-person service. Thank you for being open for the people of God to come and find refuge. The Bible says the name of the Lord is like, is like a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And I'm so thankful that you're having in-person service, that you're open, because as Bishop already alluded to, my goodness, if Disney World is open, the house of God can be open, and thank you for being here and for worshiping God the way you're worshiping Him. I feel your praise. You know, I, I felt it when you were worshiping God. I could feel it on the inside of me. You're, you're producing faith. We're magnifying the Lord together, and it's... it's, it's, it's the beauty of the congregation coming together, our, our sound is amplified and God is magnified. You just feel, because it's my faith connecting with your faith, connecting with her faith, connecting to his faith. And by the time we're done, the God that holds everything in his hands is magnified in our midst. And all of a sudden, our problems look like this compared to the magnificence of our God. Amen. So I give you honor today. Thank you for the opportunity to come back. We are in a new normal, but God has been faithful. God has been good. I told, I told Bishop, I flew home March the 15th from California. I had been preaching and came home. And by the time I got home, uh, everything that we had scheduled for March, April, and May was canceled or postponed. And in the moment, I thought, well, what do we do now? Because like, I don't know how to juggle. I don't... I've already, like, I only have five jokes, and I can't use those anymore because I use them every time I preach. Like, what do we do now? And the Lord spoke to me in Atlanta, and he said, you don't worry about one thing. He said, you serve the people of God. He said, you go online every morning and have communion with people. He said, I'll put you on the hearts and minds of people. He said, you don't have to beg for money, ask for money. You don't even have to worry about money. He said, you just do what you've always done. And so we started with a few dozen 
turn into a few hundred, then a few thousand every day that were tuning in. And we had communion every day for 10 weeks. We had communion every morning. And that was my stand. That was my way of standing and saying, you know, when people were saying, well, you can't have communion, you can't water baptize. I said, I told people, I said, you get whatever you have in your house. And people are messaging. They're like, all I have is a Cheez-It and a Dr. Pepper. I'm like, we sanctified in Jesus name. That's communion now. And I got pictures of people having communion with me with Doritos and Cheez-Its and Dr. Pepper and Gatorade. And I'm like, listen, let's talk about your healthy eating later because that's half the problem. But, uh, but we just haven't come. And God sustained. God bless. We started preaching on video. We started doing Zoom calls. One Sunday, I preached in Australia. I preached in Chile. And I preached in the U.S. And I never left my office. Praise be the name of the Lord. And God was good. And God sustained the church. God bless the church. And I didn't talk about this in the first service, but just leaving the office with pastor, because all of us were concerned, what's going to happen to the church in this season? What's happening to the Christian, to the gospel message? And God reminded us through all of this, you can't silence the church. You can't stop the gospel from advancing around the world. We have friends that have a radio station in China, and they go on and they read the Bible but they don't tell anyone they're reading the Bible. They just read it as if it's poetry. And so they just go on and they read the Bible. And Chinese uh, citizens tune in and they think they're hearing poetry. They think they're just listening to literature. And one day one of my friends was reading the book of James chapter 5. And he got to that scripture about if there be any sick amongst you, let them call for the elders and anoint them with sick and they'll pray the prayer of faith. And a man called into the radio station. He said, I was so inspired. That is a wonderful, that is a beautiful poem you read about healing. He said, I have a water buffalo that's been very ill for several days. I have a water buffalo. And I was so inspired by the poem, I thought, what if? Just what if that works? And so I went out and I anointed my water buffalo in faith. And believe it or not, my water buffalo is healed and my water buffalo is healthy. You can't stop the word of God from going out. A government can't stop it. Communism can't stop it. Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians can't stop it. A virus can't stop it. Racism can't stop it. Humans can't stop it. And that enemy that lives under your feet, he surely can't stop it. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. I got another testimony that came out of China from the same people. They said, we finally, after reading the poems and reading the literature, somebody caught on that it was the Bible and they shut us down. So we picked up another radio station and another radio station because people started donating money to the arts to hear the spoken word. And so they started getting money so that people could read the spoken word online. And so they had enough money. Every time they get shut down, they just go on another station, on another station. And they said, we started running out of radio radio stations. This is their testimony. I'm just telling you what they told me. They said, so we figured out we better go ahead and present the gospel just in case we run out of radio stations. So we told the people listening in China, what we have been reading to you is the word of God. And we want you to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And we want you to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And if you'll believe on him today, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll repent, and they went through the whole presentation and they said, now the only thing we can't do with you over the radio 
is we can't water baptize you and you need to be water baptized because that's how you identify with Christ. They said, so please do this. Go find an ocean, a lake, a river, or your bathtub and walk into the water and say, I now identify with Christ and dunk yourself in the water. And when you come out, you come out a new creature. They tell me that they had over tens, plural, tens of thousands of people that called and said, I have went and been dunked in water and I now identify with Christ. And I like it because it's a black eye to the devil. Every time you think you're going to shut down Christianity, every time you think you're going to silence the church, we remind you the gates of hell cannot, shall not, and will not prevail against the church of the living God. I think you ought to thank God because that's happening right here at Inspire Church. You can't shut the church down. You can't silence the prophets. You can't silence the preachers. You can't silence the believers. We're going to preach with more tenacity, more boldness, with a mask, without a mask, in a pulpit, without a pulpit. We're like we're like Dr. Seuss and Green Eggs and Ham. It doesn't matter where you put us. I'm still Sam I am. Come on, somebody. All right. I got to preach. That was my hello. It's really good to see you today. That's why you should have notes so you don't get lost. Would you believe right before I started the sermon, my iPad told me that it was now going to update? I'm like, ugh. I'm like, Dr. Hurd, please give a long introduction. Cute. And just kept... And I'm like, good God, help me remember my sermon. Well, the iPad is back on, so now I can preach. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) The book of Job, chapter 5. I want to read a portion of the scripture with you. Book of Job, chapter 5, and verse 22 and 23. No, verse 21 and 22. Forgive me. Book of Job, chapter 5, 21 and 22. Bible says, Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. And at destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. I just want to read to that point. At destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. You're going to laugh today. You're going to be joyful today. You're going to take off hell today. Because rather than see you depressed and down and defeated, you're going to laugh in the face of famine today and show hell the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, anoint our minds to comprehend, our ears to hear, and our hearts to perceive what thus saith the word of the Lord. I ask that you would confirm your word with signs, miracles, and wonders that when we leave, we'll say, surely, we've been in the presence of God. And I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. My favorite television program is The Office. Amen. Thank you for those Office fans that are here. The rest of you, you need the revelation. Prior to marrying Gina, I'd fall asleep to The Office. I'd just let it play, and I'd fall asleep. She doesn't appreciate The Office as much as I do, so I don't watch it at, you know, falling asleep at night. But my favorite Well, one of my favorite sayings, and it's a life lesson, comes out of the last episode, the last two minutes, a guy on the show named Andy has gone on and he's gotten his dream job, he's living his, he's living his best life now, I mean, he's doing what he wants to do, and they had a reunion at the office, and he comes back to his old job, the one he didn't want, in the place he didn't want to live, and he's back around his friends, and he says, he goes, it's crazy, you know, I'm, I'm living my dream, 
but I find myself wanting to be here. He said, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days while you're actually living in them. Gene and I were in Florida a few days ago, and we were at this outdoor mall, and we walked in this shop that had rustic signs, and there was this big rustic sign on the wall that said, these are the good old days. And I remember in a moment getting cynical and thinking, no, no, they're not. Please, God, please, no, don't let these be the good old days. Because we have this tendency. We either like to live in tomorrow or we like to live in yesterday. But many of us struggle living in today. We're either really nostalgic for everything that was and the way life used to be and, and, and the days gone by and the good old days, or we live so driven with tomorrow that we don't know how to appreciate today. This is a struggle, and not just for our generation. This is a perpetual struggle with humanity. You study the history books, and you talk even like within the church, people were always, there's always been this perpetual battle between generations about this isn't the way we used to do things. Every generation fights that. And, 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 and the elders are always concerned about the way young people are doing things today, but they forget that when they were young people, their elders were having issues with the way that they did things. It's just this perpetual struggle in life that humanity humanity has. And so we're always grasping for what's next or we're trying to cling to what was, but we struggle living in today. But the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. This day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. We're struggling with contentment because we think contentment is something I lost or something I'm going to achieve, but I don't know how to be content in today. There's a bishop in Atlanta named Dale Bronner, wonderful, wonderful man of God, who changed my perception about money some years ago. I was visiting with him. You know, the Bronner brothers are blessed people. They invite, you know, hair products, and I mean, they've done their six very extremely successful business people out of Georgia. And then, you know, he pastored a little 25,000 member church on the side. And so I was visiting with Bishop Bronner, and we were talking about money and talking about wealth and about blessing and prosperity. And he asked me, he said, Tony, how do you measure? your wealth. And I said, accumulation. It just rolled right off of my tongue. See, to me, I'm 40 this year. Um, To me, accumulation is Uncle Scrooge from Disney swimming in the tower of money. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah? To me, that's wealth. That when you have obtained and built so much that you can now just swim in the gold coins. And he said, that's the problem. He said, That's not what wealth is. Wealth isn't accumulation. Wealth is, uh, he said, wealth is not, he said, wealth is not dependent on how much you have, but on how little you need. That's how you know you're wealthy, when you don't need a lot. Wealth isn't measured in how much you have, but in how little you need. And he said, and if people could grasp that and realize that they're wealthy because they don't really have a lot of needs today. God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. They would realize how wealthy they actually are. So rather than chase the next house 
and the next car and the next thing or reminisce about the car that they lost or the thing. If they could just live in today and realize that their God has supplied all their needs according to their riches and glory, they would realize how wealthy they are. Now, I opened the sermon telling you that today because the enemy has tried to lie to us in the middle of this situation and this pandemic and this season to make us feel as if all hope is lost because we lost what used to be our normal and we're fearful about what the new normal will be. But the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I had an old mentor in my life who's gone on to be with the Lord. His name is T.F. Tenney. And Brother Tenney said, Brother Tony, sometimes you have to will yourself. Sometimes you have to force it. Sometimes you have to say this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice. Sometimes it's like you got to yell at yourself. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. So I want this day to know. I want this season to know that I will rejoice and I will be glad in it because God has been good to me. I'm laughing in the face of famine. I'm laughing in the face of destruction because hell tried to come against us. But look at us. God has made a way. God has prospered us. God has blessed us. God has sustained us. God has provided for us. Our hope didn't come from Washington. Our hope didn't come in the form of a stimulus check. Our hope isn't named Nancy or Chuck or Donald. Our hope doesn't look like a donkey or an elephant or a green party. Our hope looks like the lion and the lamb of the tribe of Judah. Our hope comes from whence our hope comes from the heavens. Our hope is named Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He'll provide according to his riches and glory. I haven't been sustained by the governments of this earth. I have been sustained by the kingdom and the governments of heaven. God has been good to me and I can laugh in the face of famine because this is the day the Lord has made. You say, well, it's a rough day, but it's the day the Lord has made. So I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Say, well, how do you rejoice on a rough day? Well, Jean and I have had some rough days. You've heard our testimony. Eleven years ago, she loses her first husband. She has a new normal. We don't have time to sulk and say, I don't like it. Because there's two babies at home that need a mom. Four years ago, my new, I enter into a new normal. I don't know what to do. I take my kids to school, hoping it's the school they go to. I'm not lying. I had to meet with the principal. I said, I think my kids go to school here. And they're like, yeah. And I see people wave. I'm like, okay, good. Whew. This is the right school. Do we have a bus? Do we have to pay for the bus? I, I mean, like, I, 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 but we were thrust into a new normal. But we had to adjust. We had to learn to live in our, we had to roll up our sleeves. So when all of this, you remember when I came preach here in January? Because I know, so you're like, I already know. Yeah, I know what you said as far as, you remember I came in here and I told you what the prophet told me? that 2020 was going to be unlike any year we've ever lived through. I called him in March. I'm like, thou art a prophet because this is unlike any year. This is unlike any year I've lived through. 
But when we entered into the season, Gina and I kind of looked at each other and we said we had to encourage ourselves and, and encourage each other. We're going to do what we did the last time. We're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to live through this new normal because there's five kids at home that their faith is going to come from while they see us respond to this moment. And we're going to make sure that Christ is glorified, the enemy is defeated, and we're going to show our children that this Bible that we preach about in the good times is the Bible that works in the bad times. This Bible that we shout and dance about on the mountaintop is the God is the Bible that sustains you in the valley. That all those things that you rejoice about when God has given you the victory is the word that you use to fight about when you're in the middle of the battle. And I'm going to show my kids that this is a living word. This is a true word. This isn't just an ancient word. This is a now word. So what do you do when it's not a day you like? You get a hold of a word of God. And that's what God brought me here to give you today. I'm here to give you a word to sustain you until you come out of this season. You fight with the word. You get a Bible, you get a word, and then you fight with that word. You wake up every morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it because it is written. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will rejoice and be glad in it because it is written. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. I rejoice in today because it is written by his stripes we are healed. I rejoice today because it is written that all the gold and the silver is in his hands and he happens to be my daddy and I happen to be his son and if all the gold and the silver belongs to him, then it belongs to me because of the blood. I, it is written written. It is, you fight with the word. You say, give me biblical precedent for that. Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness and having a bad day, and the enemy came to Jesus and said, I'll do this and I'll do that. Jesus didn't say, devil, let me tell you what I feel. He didn't say, let me tell you what I think. He said, devil, it is written. And when the enemy came against him again, Jesus said, devil, it is written written. And the third time he said, it is written. Jesus fended off the enemy with the written word of God. And Jesus said, the things that I do, so shall you do, and things greater than this. So you get a hold of a word from God, and when the enemy attacks your finances, you say, hell, it is written. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. When hell attacks your health, you say it is written by his stripes we are healed. When he attacks your children, you say it is written. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall, shall, shall be saved. I got a word. come to put a word in your spirit today that you're going to laugh in the face of famine. You're going to laugh in the face of destruction. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to start rejoicing. You're going to start laughing because the God that did it before is about to do it again. I wish you'd praise him like I'm preaching it right now. But you, you 
say, but Suarez. I know when you get serious because you start pronouncing every vowel in my last name. Well, Suarez, we've never been down this road before. You be careful saying that. Now, I'm not rebuking you. I'm helping you. I'm here as, as the oracle of the Lord to try to put some perspective into what's going on. When you say, we've never been down this road before. Well, consider this, for you that are saying, I wish we could go back to the good old days. 19, just imagine, pretend you were born at the turn of the 20th century. Greatest century humanity's ever, ever seen. Got an earthquake in 1906 that almost sent San Francisco into the ocean. Then you turn 14, 15 years old, and the world is thrust into World War I. Everybody's fighting with each other. 20 to 40 million casualties. 117,000 Americans die. 6 to 9 million soldiers around the world die. And you come home from the war. Now you're 19 years old. You're ready to enjoy your best life now. And influenza has attacked the world. 3% of the world's, one-third of the world's population is infected with the virus. They estimate that 50 million people died around the world. 675,000 people in the, Ameri- in, in the United States. And you're only 19 years old. And now it's the roaring 20s, and you're about to enjoy the 20s. And there's this thing called prohibition that gives birth to organized crime. And now people are being shot and killed in New York, in Chicago, in Kansas City, in Cincinnati. And there's violence and organization of crime like the United States has not seen until that point in history. And you come out of the 20s, and you, now you got your wife, you got your kids, you got a little white picket fence, and you're excited, you're going to come out of this, and then 1929 happens, and the Great Depression hits the world. Next 10 years, people are losing jobs left and right. By 1932, 20% of the American population is unemployed, and you're in your early 30s, and they elect Brother FDR to be president, and he gets up there like an old Baptist preacher, and he says, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. And people are like, yeah, I like that message. And there's hope in America again. And people are inspired in America again. And we start coming out of that disastrous 10-year turmoil called the Great Depression. And we're finally coming out of it. You've had turmoil in the first three decades of the 20th century. And finally, the 40s are going to be much better. I just know. I know life is going to be good in my 40s. I know things are going to be good but there's these radical political movements that are rising to power in Europe and in Asia and people like Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. And all of a sudden, we come out of the 30s and we are thrust into World War II. Don't get depressed. I promise this is a good sermon. You're like, I wish his iPad had stayed off. We come into the 40s, and now we're in World War II, the deadliest war in human history. 3% of the world's population died in World War II. 419,000 U.S. soldiers, 60 to 75 million people worldwide. And we come out of World War II, and there's no break. We immediately enter into the Cold War that shapes the ideology and the politics of the world. You're like, well, whew. But thank God for the 50s. I can tell who didn't buy encyclopedias growing up. 
the grocery store ones or the fancy ones they were selling door to door. We had the grocery store ones. 1950 to 1953, we're in a a war that's called the Forgotten War, the Korean War, because only 5 million people died, as opposed to the tens of millions in in World War II. 5 million people die. Cuban revolution's taking place in 1953, and then July 1959, the first U.S. soldiers killed in Vietnam. We don't talk about Vietnam in the 50s because we didn't think we had any soldiers there, but we had some observers from our military over there just, you know, want to see what's up. And now you're in your 50s, you're coming into your 60s, FDR had promised you this new thing, this crazy thing called social security, and now you're in your 60s, you get ready to cash that check, you're about to live your best life now, you're about to, you know, Copacabana, and I mean Bahama, and Bahamas, and whatever the other the stuff is in that song, and you're going to go to Kokomo, and you, you get there fast, and then you're going to take it slow. Because that's where you want to go, you know, way down in Kokomo. Anyways, you're ready to enjoy your life, and the world is thrust into the Vietnam War, and there's racial tension in the land, and there's horrendous crime, and racial tension, and assassinations of Martin Luther King. There, Medgar Evers has been assassinated, and John F. Kennedy has been assassinated, and Robert Kennedy has been assassinated, and there's turmoil in our land and in our politics. There's racial tension happening in the United States. We're fighting in Vietnam, and you're in your 60s, supposedly about to enjoy your best life now, and then, oh, by the way, there's a little Cuban missile crisis, and communists are hanging out in Cuba pointing missiles at the U.S. And you come into the 70s and there's war and there's an energy crisis and you reminisce for the good old days? The way things were? See, you remember the 80s and 90s as relatively peaceful years and you forget that the 80s and 90s we had a war on drugs. We had an epidemic called AIDS. We fought a Persian Gulf War. We invaded Panama. There was turmoil. But since it was less turmoil than the other decades, we don't remember it as much. My point with all of this is not to depress you. And then, oh, then, oh, by the way, 1999, you remember Y2K? Some of y'all, some of y'all are still eating the beans that you stockpiled in 99. You've been making bean stew for like 20 years now. It's a miracle you didn't get COVID till now. There hasn't been a decade that's gone by in the last 120 years where there weren't wars and rumors of war and pestilence, and, 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 and I'm not celebrating it, but there hasn't been a decade that, gone, that has gone by that has not seen famine, that has not seen calamity, that's not seen some kind of uprising, but we call that century the greatest century that humankind has ever seen because in the midst of pandemics and war there was another side to the story we started the century without technology without planes and automobiles we started it without space rockets and submarines we didn't have penicillin we didn't have medicine we didn't have sewer systems let alone purified water we didn't have computers we didn't have internet till al gore invented it in 97 i mean we didn't have a lot of things that was a joke i'm sorry if that was bad we didn't have a lot of things but by the time 
time it was all said and done, we look back at the 20th century and said that is the greatest century humankind has ever seen. Hundreds of millions of people died in war, pestilence came, and pestilence gone. But when it was all said and done, we don't remember the trials of war. We don't remember the days of famine. We remember the prosperity, the blessing, the advancement, and the victories. And I declare to you as the prophet of God, you are coming out of this season, and you will not be weeping for what you lost, but you will be laughing at what you obtained, because you are walking in the favor of God, and the blessing of God, and the provision of God, and so I give you permission today to laugh in the face of famine, laugh in the face of destruction, and declare today the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hey, I told him this morning, when Gina's not around, because I don't want to scare her, I've been practicing the joy of the Lord. I've been practicing the joy of the Lord. Because I'll get worried about, and, and I did, I really did this. I had my bank account open on the computer screen in front of me. And I saw everything that was missing. And I'm not going to tell you I heard the voice of the Lord because I didn't. But I felt something nudge me. Laugh. Laugh. And so I peeked out the office door to make sure Gina wasn't around. You know, and it's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so the kids are still asleep because they don't wake up till 5. So I'm like, they're asleep. And so I looked at my computer screen and I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I sounded wicked. I sounded like the Joker on Batman, but I started laughing at my bank account. <laughs> because you're trying to depress me. You're trying to make me suicidal. You're trying to make me think like I can't, like I'm about to lose and I don't know. But you don't know who my God is. You don't know that he gave the Israelites the gold and the silver from Egypt. You don't know that he'll put a coin in a fish's mouth to sustain me. You don't know that my God will send manna in the morning. And when I get tired of eating manna, he'll make sure that I get some fried chicken in the form of quail to come fly into my tent every you don't know my God I don't even have to worry about tomorrow because he'll send the manna and the quail every day so bank account ha 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 I'm not going to lose my joy I'm not going to lose my praise I'm not going to lose the joy of the Lord because I know in whom I have believed so I dare you today I don't know what you're facing I don't know what your battle is but laugh 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 and let the enemy know no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, because you've been good to me. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed and I don't have one testimony. I don't have two testimonies, but I got dozens of testimonies of how you kept me, how you provided for me, how you sustained me, and how you blessed me. And I can laugh today. I can shout today. I can rejoice today because the God that didn't hear, the God that 
I'm getting drunk up here. I'm trying to preach a sermon. And I'm getting drunk in the Holy Ghost up here. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And there's this thing, Bishop, that I talked about in the first service. Greater than all that techno- technological advancement. All those inventions. All those good things that happened in the 20th century. There's one thing. It's the greatest thing that happened. And it happened in a little Bible college in 1901 in a little town called Topeka, Kansas. There was a man named Charles Parham that was teaching and believing and praying for a modern day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He was praying and believing and saying, God, what you did in an upper room 2,000 years ago, I ask you to do it now. And a little white young lady, I believe her name was Agnes Osmond. I, I don't know if that's the name, but that's the name that's in my head right now. Little old, I think she was 18, 19 years old, was baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But that's not where the story ends because there was a blind black preacher that wasn't allowed in the building because he was black. He wasn't allowed in the building, but he wanted the Holy Ghost so bad, he had his ear tuned up to a window on the outside of the building, proving to humanity that the Holy Ghost isn't confined to four walls in a sanctuary. It's not confined to four walls in a sanctuary, but he'll baptize you in the house, in the car, in the parking lot, or in the yard. He doesn't care if you're white, you're black, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, if you have a hungry heart. And that black blind preacher named William Seymour heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God baptized him with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he left there. And he made a pit stop in Houston, by the way. And then he went to Azusa Street in Los Angeles and started preaching about the Holy Ghost. That blind black preacher started preaching about the Holy Ghost. And if you go back and you read the old articles from 1906, what L.A. Times was writing about, they get the thing that, that, that stupefied them, that mystified them, that blew their mind away is that they said in Azusa, nobody cares who's white, nobody cares who's black, nobody cares that it's a black preacher preaching to white people in the pews. All they care about is the experience of the Holy Ghost. What this world needs right now is not a third political party. What this world needs right now is not another political uprising. We need a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. The Holy Ghost moved in Azusa so strongly that the musicians couldn't play and the singers couldn't sing. It was just like David's tabernacle in the Bible. It was just like the tabernacle of David back in the Bible where the glory of God fell and the, and the priest couldn't minister and the psalmist couldn't psalm and the song and, and the songwriters couldn't write because they were consumed by the glory of God. They said in Azusa, they would hear music. They would hear music and when they would go in, they would find musicians and singers slain in the spirit laying all over but they could hear this music and the media surmise the angels of heaven have come into the room and they're playing angelic music 
Hallelujah. I want that kind of a move of God where the media is. I want that kind of a move of God where rather than the media try to trash the church, the media has to write. There's something angelic. There's something heavenly. There's something divine. It's weird. We don't know what it is, but it's like heaven has touched the earth. Every time you find an outpouring of God's spirit in the 20th century, you find people coming together. In the voice of healing days of the 40s and the 50s, when people were putting up healing tents, when they first put the tents up, they had a rope. Black people sit on one side and white people sit on the other side. But the Holy Ghost invaded those tents. The Holy Ghost invaded those tents. And people like A.A. Allen said, you get that rope out of my tent. I don't care where anybody sits as long as we sit under the power of God. Charismatic renewal came and nobody cared the nationality. The Jesus movement came. Nobody cared about nationalities. Now, you say... You say, but yeah, Suarez, but then how come Pentecostals have so many different denominations? Why you got, you, why you got the, 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 the Kojic and you got the AG and you got this one and you got that one and you got this? Because we got away from what brought us together. It was politics and preferences and bylaws and constitutions and elections and titles. It became about man. But every time the Holy Spirit draws the church back to the initial thing that brought us together, we come together again. What are, I, I plead to you today by the mercies of God, what we need today is not to keep fighting politically with one another. We need to pray earnestly together and say, oh, Father, send the Comforter, send the Holy Ghost with fire. growing up in Chicago we were a Latino church I'm the whitest Hispanic in American but I'm still I'm still Latino we had a Hispanic church primarily first-generation immigrant undocumented immigrants and God blessed my daddy's church and we bought four acres in a predominantly white suburb I'll be done in seven minutes I think and we bought this church building and not everybody was happy that we bought that church building. They were happy to see all our vans and minivans. With, you know, 11 kids coming out of each one. They didn't like that it had gotten a few shades darker in that suburb. Except for me. But all the rest of them. And while we were worshiping inside of the sanctuary, people would come and egg the cars. And they'd throw rocks through the windows. I was playing the keyboard at my dad's church, and a rock came in the window right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, nah. I didn't even have hoop earrings. I'm trying to take them off. I'm like, oh, nah. Oh, no, she, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm up. I used to, it, it, it's the 90s. You know, we all had, like, you know, the joy of the Lord. And so, like, I'm playing the keyboard and, like, hopping at the same time. This is how we used to play the keyboard back then, you know. Say. Celebrate Jesus, celebrate. So I mean, like I'm up there playing like that in my suspenders and a rock, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. 
March right out of there, my suspenders. Some of my friends got with me, and I'm, not, I'm no joke. We were marching out. We we're about to go, I mean, sh- give them Jesus. And my dad stops the service. He goes, stop. That's not how we fight our battles. In his broken English, that's not how we fight the battle. And then he, you know, he gets real mad. He starts yelling at us in Spanish. Así no es como nosotros peleamos la batalla. When they get Rick and Riccardi on you, you know. He's like, that's not how we fight the battle. We fight the battle in praise. God will take care of that out there. And my dad commanded us. He didn't encourage us. It's, it's an old day. I'm not saying you can pastor like that anymore. But my dad commanded us, worship God. And I'm like. I mean, he's telling people, you dance right now in the Holy Ghost. You worship God right now. You speak in other tongues right now. He said, that's a. It wasn't a week later. We had three guys show up at the church. They said, listen, we know who chopped down your sign. It's a KKK here in Illinois that chopped down your sign. But we want you to know, we're not going to tell you who they are. We're not going to give you their names. But we want you to know that from this day forward, we're going to defend your church. If they ever try to come do something, we're going to stand up for you. Because ever since you guys moved into the the neighborhood, our property value is rising. We just, we just see the, we just feel, we don't know what it is, but we feel like we're supposed to stand up and fight for you. And we started winning our neighbors and they started coming to church with us. Because we let God fight the battle. And and I'm not saying you have to ignore what's wrong in the world. But let's fight this the way we know how to fight. Because we're not warring against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against our brother. That's a different color. Our fight is against the demonic spirit of racism that's trying to divide this earth. But we bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. And we say, get out of the land. Rebuke the spirit, rebuke the demon, rebuke the force of hell. But remember, our we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principality. This is spiritual. Hold on a second. Hold on. This is a spiritual fight that we're in. COVID-19 is a spiritual thing. This is a demonic spirit of infirmity. It showed up and called itself Corona. That means crown. Only the devil, only the devil would say that it is the crown and act act as if it's the king of the economy and the king of the culture and the king of our politics. I decrown COVID in the name of Jesus. And I say you have no authority over my money, over my joy, and over this country. And we rebuke it now in Jesus' name. Stand with me if you will. I feel like I'm just up here having a rant. Hair's messed up. Shirt's all wrinkled. Forgot my socks. Someone said, are you mad? Yeah, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad with the devil. I'm mad 
him trying. He, he, he's the master of deception. He is the master of deception. I think I told you the story. I think I did. I was preaching for a church in St. Louis some years ago. Service leader got up. He said, I command you, Satan. Take up your weapons and flee. And something stirred up in me. I said, bring them back. And he looked at me. He said, son, do you have something you want to say? I said, yes. Bring them back. Because when I was backslidden, the devil was there. When I wasn't doing right, the devil was there. When the devil thought I was going to give up, the devil was there. But every time I try to get my victory back, every time I try to live in the victory and the blessing that God's given me, that nasty old devil tries to sneak out the back door because he just wants to see me in defeat. I said, you bring him back because if you saw me at my worst, you're going to see me at my best. If you saw me when I was poor, you're going to see me when I'm rich. If you saw me when I was sick, then you're going to see me now that I'm healthy. If you saw me when I was suicidal, then you're going to see me full of life and life more abundantly. I command that nasty old devil, you watch as God blesses his people and prospers his people. You watch as they get new houses and new cars and new jobs and bonuses and commissions. You watch as they're healed of COVID, healed of cancer healed of you watch as God's favor reigns on them and then may you be reminded today that no weapon formed against the people of God shall prosper so you can't touch three people because of social distancing but look at somebody and say, laugh. Oh, they actually did it right there. That's cool. Job chapter 5. You'll be safe from slander and have no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. Wild animals won't even terrify you. You will be at peace with the stones of the field. You will know that your home is safe. When you survey your possessions, nothing will be missing. You will have many children and your descendants will be as plentiful as grass. You will go to the grave at a ripe old age, like a sheaf of grain harvested at the proper time. We have studied life and found all of this to be true. Listen to my words and apply it to your life. You listen to what this crazy Colombian preacher preached to you today. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, laugh. And when he attacks your bank account, laugh. And when you don't know what to do, laugh. Laugh until you're healed. Laugh until you're blessed. Laugh until you got money. Laugh until your debt's paid off. Laugh because God favors you. Hey. Ha. 
thought you could get my kids, but you didn't. You thought you could steal my joy, but you didn't. You thought I'd lose my house, but I didn't. Ha 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 ha! The joke's on you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. presence of God for a moment. Give him a praise in this house. Give him a praise in this house. Why don't you take a moment and show your God that you believe the word of his prophet. It's written, believe the word of the prophet and you shall prosper. I speak prosperity over you. I speak blessing over you. Right now, right now, give a praise in this house. Why don't you take a minute you come up for a moment i want to say not not you them to help me sing and then i'm gonna give it to bishop i may have told you this last time there's an old pentecostal hero named jack hayford jack hayford went to preach in a country somewhere in africa and he said that when he showed up to do the the crusade the witch doctors and the warlocks had gathered outside of the stadium and they were doing their incantations and their their witchcraft trying to block what the people of God were about to have happen inside of the stadium and they say Jack Hayford testifies that when the people of God started singing and they started shouting and they started laughing in the presence of God that the witches and warlocks started covering their ears and they said stop you're hurting our ears stop you're hurting our ears I want you to know that today right here in the sanctuary of inspired church when you laugh in the Holy Ghost, when you speak in other tongues, when you shout with the voice of triumph, when you sing a new song, I see the demons of hell right now saying, stop, you're hurting what we're trying to do. You're foiling our plan. You're stop. But I want you to sing louder. I want you to shout louder and let hell know that our God trying to embarrass you the the yellow that you that right there is prophetic 
God has your future. He has your tomorrow in his hand. And you can shout today for the goodness of the Lord today because God's taking care of your tomorrow. Your children are going to be prosperous. Your children are going to be blessed. God's taking care of their health. God's taking care of their legacy. And the Lord would speak to you, woman, and say, Thou art not alone. I am a father to the father, uh, to the fatherless. I am a brother to the brotherless, saith the Lord. And I walk with you, I will sustain you, and I will be with you. Every step of the way, says the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody, give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If yours, I got to give it to Bishop in just a minute. But I feel it right now. If you're sick in your body, would you stretch your left hand in the presence of God? If you're sick in your body, stretch your left hand in the presence of God. Because I feel a wave of healing about to hit this house right now. Hallelujah. By the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus, I speak the word of the Lord over you right now. I command you to be healed, be delivered, and be touched right now. It is written by his stripes. You are healed. Touch and be healed right now by the power of God. Somebody give a shout of praise. Yeah, I'm not 